Coming up on Philosophy Talk. The Philosophical Year in Review. Philosophers and, and reflection and argument can help us see that behind the slogan 199 are actually a diversity of very powerful objections to inequality. Derek Parfit is one of the really great philosophers of the last century. And after his 1984 book, Reasons and Persons, he spent a long, long time in the process of working on this next book. And one of his main reasons for writing the book is to try to convince us that it's, it's worth asking those questions because they have real answers. And don't forget, when we discovered quantum mechanics, when physicists discovered quantum mechanics, they weren't looking for quantum mechanics, they were trying to understand the atoms. So sometimes, you, when you explore a new interesting regime, new things emerge. What were the most philosophically significant events of 2011? Coming up on Philosophy Talk, The Examined Year. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner down the street at Stanford, where Ken and I teach philosophy. Today, it's a special edition of Philosophy Talk, The Examined Year, 2011, a philosophical look back at the events and ideas that shaped the last 12 months. Socrates said that the unexamined life is not worth living. And that implies that the unexamined year is not worth living through. But 2011 was a year well worth living through and well worth examining. It was the best of times and, well, the worst of times, a year in equal parts inspiring and troubling. Certainly troubling, Ken. The American economy continues to stagnate. The euro and Europe are on the brink of collapse. For a pessimist, 2011 was really a year that to make you despair. We thought when we came out of the 20th century that democracy and capitalism was a combination that was going to work for the foreseeable future. But the foreseeable future seems to have ended pretty quick. You know, Paul Krugman, whom I admire as much as any man alive, says that the current situation has all the hallmark of a worldwide depression. Unemployment high in America and Europe, disastrously high. Our leaders and institutions thoroughly discredited. Democratic values under siege everywhere. Scary stuff, John. It wasn't all darkness, though. There were developments that inspired hope. The fall of dictators and the rise of democracy in Africa and the Middle East, for example. And don't forget the world of science down. There was lots of good stuff there. Breathtaking a range of potential discoveries. Earth-like planets orbiting within the habitable zones of distant stars. Neutrinos capable of traveling faster than the speed of light. And toward the end of the year, tantalizing glimpses of the Higgs boson. Yeah, the Higgs boson. That's supposed to explain why fundamental particles have mass. But I thought... Fundamental particles had mass by definition. What's going on, Ken? Well, look at it this way, John. Physics tells us that some particles lack mass, photons, for example. And because they lack mass, they just zip around at maximum speed, barely interacting with anything. Why aren't those the only particles in the universe? Well, I suppose one answer is because God didn't think it was a very beautiful universe. But I suppose a different answer is the Higgs boson? Exactly. The Higgs mechanism endows some fundamental particles with mass. And without that, the universe would just contain massless energy waves. In such a universe, you and I, 
and the atoms and atomic nuclei of which we're made could not possibly exist. That's why some people call this Higgs thing the God particle. It's pretty mind-blowing, Ken. It is mind-blowing. But you know what else I find even more mind-blowing? The idea that there could be objective moral truths in this universe. Because frankly, I have to admit, I've always been boggled by that idea, and I've found the idea of objective moral truth too queer to believe in. Well, that's one of the great divides in philosophy. Those like you that are skeptical of objective morality and the many others who aren't. But John, 2011 witnessed the publication of a much-anticipated book by a very influential philosopher that purports to establish once and for all that there really could be such a thing as objective morality. You're talking about Derek Parfit and his book, On What Matters. One reviewer called it the best book on the topic of ethics in the last hundred years. That's pretty high praise. Yeah, you know, it is high praise. Philosophers appear to be all over the map when it comes to morality. But Parvitt argues that there's far less of that than meets the eye, that if you think of all the correct moral theories, best moral theories rightly, you'll see that they agree a lot more than they disagree. Well, if that's right, then we got the beginnings of an argument for objectivity because we've got the possibility of intersubjective agreement. When people agree on something, even though they approach it in different ways, it suggests that there's really something objective to be discovered. Well, John, from politics to science to philosophy itself, it's certainly been a rich and interesting year, and there's lots for us to examine. I'm eager to get this underway. Let's start by hearing from our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Esch. She went out and talked to people on the street and asked them what they thought the most exciting and important events of 2011 were. She files this report. To hear the Roving Philosophical Report and the rest of this program, head to philosophytalk.org. Thank you for listening. And thank you for thinking.